Well, 20 years ago on this night, I anchored my first broadcast of 360, and it's been 31 years since I shot my first story, and since then I've worked in more than 70 countries around the world. I've seen things I could never have imagined and spoken to extraordinary people, often in very dangerous and difficult circumstances. It has been an incredible honor to do this job and to work with such a talented team of dedicated journalists here at CNN. Tonight, because it is the actual anniversary, we wanted to take some time and pull together some of the most memorable moments from the last 20 years, starting with this night 20 years ago. Live from the CNN Broadcast Center in New York, this is Anderson Cooper 360. And a good evening to you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Anderson Cooper. Welcome to our debut hour. We're following a number of developments for you tonight. Tonight from Port-au-Prince in Cairo, a day of dramatic developments. We are in the city of Manaus, which is really in the heart of the Amazon. We are live tonight from Baghdad. Live in New Orleans. There is desperation and there is danger in the city of New Orleans tonight. And what you are about to see in this next hour is going to shock you that this is taking place in the United States of America in this day and age. People stuck in their homes right now, no electricity, no ice, nothing cool to drink. Uh, they don't know where to go, they don't know what to do, and they don't really have any information. I want to thank Senator Frist and Senator Reid for their extraordinary efforts, Anderson, tonight. I don't know if you've heard, maybe you all have announced it, but Congress is going to an unprecedented session to pass a $10 billion supplemental bill tonight to keep FEMA Excuse and me, the Senator. Red Cross up and operating. Excuse me, Senator, I'm sorry for interrupting. I, I haven't heard that because uh, for the last four days, uh, I've been seeing dead bodies in the streets here in Mississippi. Uh, and to listen to politicians thanking each other and complimenting each other, uh, you know, I got to tell you, there are a lot of people here who are very upset and very angry and very frustrated. And when they hear politicians slap, you know, thanking one another, uh, it just, you know, it kind of cuts them the wrong way right now. Because literally, uh, there was a body on the streets of, of, of uh, this town yesterday uh, being eaten by rats uh, because this woman had been laying in the street for, for 48 hours and, and there's not enough facilities to take her up. Do you, do you get the anger that is out here? Good evening, I'm Anderson Cooper in Marathi, Niger, starving in plain sight, the food crisis in Niger. That's exactly what is happening here, a crisis, a food shortage the likes of which this country has rarely seen. The level of everyday violence here in the Democratic Republic of Congo has been simply unfathomable over the last several years. Guns and machetes, of course, are common, but the most ruthless weapon that has been used here is rape. People in the neighborhood just point fingers and say, you're a raped woman and you're infected with AIDS. She and her children have been living here in Goma for the last five months. Angela would like to be able to return to her home village, but that's simply impossible. The men who raped her are likely still living in the area. They, of course, have never been brought to justice. We're on our way to see General Lauren Nakunda. He's a rebel commander with several thousand troops. So far, he's been unwilling to give up his weapons. He's been accused of a host of war crimes and human rights violations. His troops are known to have looted villages, raped women. He's been accused of ordering the summary executions of dozens of prisoners. The Congolese government issued an international arrest warrant for him, but so far, it seems no one's been able or willing to apprehend him. We're in a U.S. military helicopter heading toward a forward operating base in eastern Afghanistan along the Pakistan border. We're actually now just getting uh, some fire, some uh, rockets uh, have been fired. We're coming to you tonight live from Gaza City where today we have seen continued violence. Also two media centers uh, built. Whoa. <laughs> well, that was a rather large explosion. 
We've come to Iraq this week along with a platoon of CNN producers and correspondents to look at exactly what is happening here on the military and the political fronts. Before we go on this journey, we're giving warnings about what to do if we're hit by an IED, by grenades, or by small arms fire. The security situation where we are has changed somewhat uh, in the last 30 minutes or so. We've been advised to actually turn off our lights, get down on the floor, uh, and try to barricade ourselves in the area that we're in. So that's what that's why we're doing this program like this tonight. It's not going to look very good over the next hour, but I hope you bear with us because what has happened today in Egypt on on these streets uh, has been uh, nothing short of extraordinary. My cameraman Neil Hallsworth and my producer Marianne Fox and I were heading toward Liberation Square in order to report on both sides of the protests. Suddenly a man jumped out of the crowd and tried to grab Neil's camera. That's when all hell broke loose. People started throwing punches, pushing us around, screaming at us. We immediately decided to turn around and try to get to a safe location. Several Egyptian men helped us, but still the crowd followed, throwing punches. That man there had a knife in his hand. New people kept joining in, trying to punch us. We only had about a block left to go when another guy came up and punched me in the head. I've been hit now like 10 times. Yep. The Egyptian soldiers, the Egyptian soldiers are doing nothing. Finally, we reached a safe location. Where's Leah? Where's Leah? All we were trying to do today was report on both sides of this conflict. We're saying that uh, this, there's two teams now that are inside the mine. They've made their way about 4,800 feet towards the trapped workers. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Charlie, Charlie, we got to come back um, Come back to us. Wait, wait, come here. What, what, what's happening? There's only one, there's only one made it out alive. You were inside the church? Yeah, we were inside the church. And, and you said there's fist fighting now? Yeah. People are screaming, you're a liar, you've lied to us. Wait, come over here, it's, please. Stand over here. It's been misinformation and it's awful. And you, you kids were in the church too? Yeah. And you heard this? Yeah, yeah. we tried to run away. We, we, I took the kids uh, and we ran out of the church as fast as we can. They were, uh, I, I can hear yelling now yeah, over the church. Yeah, they're screaming and yelling and, and the police are in a, in a big brawl. And it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know how something like this could happen. This is CNN Breaking News. Tonight from Port-au-Prince, Haiti, the epicenter of this uh, horrible earthquake which has struck here uh, more than 24 hours ago. Our correspondents have fanned out throughout the port, of, port city of Port-au-Prince prints throughout this day bringing you the latest information as we have seen it through our eyes and as the Haitian people are experiencing it every minute. Wherever you are watching this broadcast throughout the world I hope you can hug a loved one close and thank God that you are not in Port-au-Prince tonight. Monli Elise was brought to General Hospital by his uncle who says he found him in the rubble alive after nearly eight days. Monli was covered in dust, weak and limp a doctor and a nurse quickly gave him an IV. He feel good. He's already looking better since he's gotten here. He might have some complications, but he's got a very good chance of survival. 
And joining us now uh, is Monley. We're very happy to have him here. And, uh, and uh, registered nurse Gabriella McAdoo, who is uh, from Stanford Hospital in California. When I first saw him this morning, I didn't recognize him almost. Uh, he's, he, he's hydrated now. And when we first got him, he was dehydrated. So we gave him some fluids. And um, after eating and drinking, he just, uh, his progress is great. Two hours ago or so, when, when when you guys heard distinctive mm -hmm. tapping, right. is it possible that was just ambient noise? It, it very well could have been. The other possibility is that a person expires, that they tap at one point and then they're no this longer able to. This is true. This is, we're four days into it without food or water, and uh, we're talking about possibly a 10-year-old girl, and there's only, every human has their limits. Their last hope is to lower several microphones in different parts of the building. They've now placed four microphones in separate locations on the ground floor in the rubble. This is a critical moment. If they hear something, they'll continue working. If they don't get any response, they're going to stop the operation. In the movies, this is when a small sound would be heard, a faint tap, a child's cry. But this is Haiti, and this is real. And despite their best hopes, they hear no sound of life. You can just see a chunk of concrete or rock thrown by one of the looters from the roof. A young boy is hit in the head. That's him there on the ground, captured on my DV camera. If he stays there, he might get killed. I pick him up. I carry him to the barricade. Blood is pouring from his head. He's clearly stunned and can't walk. over the barricade. And he's carried away. A massacre that happened in a gay nightclub just a block from where I'm standing, just down that road two nights ago. There are more than a, a list of names. There are people who loved and were loved. There are people with families and friends and dreams. He was um, incredibly lucky to have you as a mom. I was, my luck started when I gave birth to my son. She had been wanting a phone for so long and we finally got it for her. And... <laughs> she just tried to call the police. She tried to, she actually tried to call. Yes, I got confirmation from two of the students in her classroom that she was just trying to call the authorities and I guess he just shot her. How do you look at this girl and shoot her? <laughs> I cannot believe that Texas officials, from the governor on down, are just now silent. Yeah. No, there's no new information coming out. It's just not the way you do these investigations or, you, or how you give information. They should have given us a full briefing from the beginning. You know. That's how they do things in these shootings. You right. get a and briefing. It's, and it's not just reporters, it's the f grieving right. families who want to know why their children are I'm dead. not sure they have ever told the families exactly what happened here. 
Keep it honest. 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 It is happening. Where? Give me some evidence. Tell me one person, one terror baby that's been born. Can you tell me? You are telling people that this cures COVID. You have no studies to prove it. And you're saying you know, a thousand you, people you know were what? tested. I got my own study. When Where? I took, Come on. I thought it was fine. She's a pretty you're, woman. You're running for president of the excuse United me, excuse States. Excuse me. I didn't start it. Okay, that's, I didn't uh, start it. But, sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. This is pretty much the strangest assignment I've ever had. Nobody laughed. <laughs> Presents. Up next. Oh, thank you. I uh, appreciate it. Very nice. Very funny. Uh-huh. I've been having bunny jokes around the office for several weeks now, so these carrots are appreciated. This brings us to tonight's edition of Things I Never Thought I'd Say. Mike and Ike do not exist. They are not real people. They are candy. And as such, do not possess genitals. Now, also, just for the record, Sour Patch Kids are not real kids. Starburst don't have real stars in them, and there isn't an actual ranch where the Jolly Rancher works. Last night on a flight from Paris to Dublin, Depardieu reportedly peed on the floor. Now, all I can say is they should thank their lucky stars it wasn't Depardieu. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that made me giggle every time I read it. He hasn't commented on this incident. <laughs> I know you got it, but. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, this actually never happened to me. I just gotta let it out. I just gotta let it out. I am truly grateful for the opportunity that I'm given each night, and I strive to get better every single day, and I want to thank you all for watching all these years, and I'm certainly grateful for all the men and women who put this program together and who dedicate their lives at CNN to telling the stories that matter.